Ohio. This time you open podcast, Welcome to this episode of Scientist the Human Podcast. I'm your host, Sim, and I am here with Laura Valenti, who is a second-year PhD student in the Department of Pathology at Duke University. Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sim. Happy to be here. Great. And uh, so, Laura, you are in the Pathology Department, as I mentioned. So let's talk a little bit about whose lab you're in and what you focus on. Sure. Yeah, so I work for Tony Filiano. He's actually a fairly new PI here at Duke. Um, We work downtown in the new Chesterfield building, beautiful space. Um, He is a neuroimmunologist. Uh, Our lab is focused on how the immune system affects normal functions in the brain. Um, My project is um, a little bit of a spinoff. We've kind of inherited actually from another project that happens at Duke. So there are... um, these thymus transplant surgeries, which I won't go too deep into because it's a little confusing, uh, that happened at Duke, and I've kind of been tasked with figuring out the mechanisms of that by, you know, modeling it in animals. Okay, so then that's your project. That's my project, yeah. Is focusing on, so not the thymus transplants themselves that happen in the clinic? Correct. But modeling them using... Mouse models? Mouse models, yes. So there are all sorts of immunology questions from these transplants um, and how the uh, patient that receives the thymus transplant makes a new immune system. Um, It's not really understood how or why that happens, and that's why I'm modeling it to try to tease out those mechanisms Mm -hmm. um, and figure all that out. Cool. So from uh, from some of your presentations, you've mentioned DeGeorge syndrome. Yes, DeGeorge syndrome. So what is DeGeorge syndrome? So that's related to yes. what, what, you, what you work yes. on. Yes, so the thymus transplants happen um, in patients that have uh, complete DeGeorge syndrome. So DeGeorge syndrome is um, most often is caused by deletions in um, part of the chromo- uh, chromosome. And basically it just affects the development of a certain uh, arch while in, oh gosh, while in um, fetal development. Sure. And so basically these children are born with some various issues. They have heart abnormalities, uh, parathyroid issues, and then thymus issues. So in complete DeGeorge, they actually have no thymus tissue at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and since uh, the thymus is the organ that makes all of your T cells of your immune system, um, Babies that are born without a thymus are severely immune compromised. So it's yeah. a fatal disease unless you treat it, mm-hmm. um, which is what these thymus transplants are doing. Got it. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what exactly does the thymus do and why is it so important? Great and question. It, yeah, and what's the, the thymus thing? is yeah. underappreciated, I mm-hmm. think. So the thymus, um, it sits over the heart, and it's really it does most of its job um, during fetal development actually so most in normal situation most babies are born with the immune, their immune system for the most part mm-hmm. um so basically you have all these uh you know immune cell progenitors that sit in the bone marrow and they go out into the world and go out to the thymus and in the thymus you have a couple different things that happen so there's positive selection um in the cortex or like the center mm-hmm. or sorry the outside of the thymus and these will select um, through these interactions with an MHC complex, it's called, um, major histocompatibility 
yep. <laughs> complex. Um, and so they will select for T cells that recognize self. And then in negative selection, they actually delete T cells that recognize self too strongly. So mm-hmm. meaning you want T cells that can go out there and be able to interact with other cells that express MHC, but not to go around attacking organs. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So when you say self, you're talking about uh, recognizing self is avoiding autoimmunity. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. all every cell in your body has these little self markers. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have T cells that recognize them and bind strongly, and then you know will expand or attack, then you have the risk of autoimmunity. Okay. So the yeah. thymus is where the T cells go to. To learn, learn. learn about yeah, self it's like school. Yeah, yeah okay. it's school for T cells. Got it. Yes. So you're saying that the thymus development, or I guess T cell school or T cell yes. education, it, yeah. it ha- a lot of it happens during fetal development. Yes, uh, but it doesn't end when you're mm-hmm. born. Um, it keeps going for through adolescence, I would say, um, but then it kind of peters out a mm-hmm. little bit. So there's actually thymic involution, meaning like the thymus kind of folds in on itself and, yeah. and stops functioning um, fully as you age. So okay. an adult um, doesn't have a fully functioning thymus, but you already have a full immune system that's seen plenty of antigen as you grow up and have infections and all that good stuff. So it. it's not as important as you get older, mm-hmm. but then that also opens up a whole thing of, you know, immunological aging, why elderly people are more likely to not do well with infections. Yeah. Um, and that's another, and that whole Got other it. field. <laughs> Got it. So your, your lab uh, focuses yes. on, you mentioned earlier, neuroimmunology. Yes. So just, can you give a brief overview of what exactly that is? Sure. So there's, for people in science or in general, there's always this dogma of immune privilege of the central nervous system, mm-hmm. excuse me, which is true. It's, you don't want tons of immune, uh, immune cells in the brain, yeah. you know, being inflamed. It's a very delicate environment, um, but it's not fully immune privileged um, so much as people believe, I guess. Mm-hmm. So there, and by immune privilege, you mean that? There are no immune cells in okay. the brain. Okay. Um, and so under, I mean, under normal conditions, there shouldn't be immune, like, T-cells in the brain mm-hmm. tissue. There are, there should be surrounding. So there are these, t- like, tissue called the meninges that surround the brain. Yep. And um, what's, it's kind of more recently appreciated, still a little bit argued that immune cells are necessary in some of the layers of the meninges and we don't know how or why but they're interacting with the brain and somehow and will affect normal cognitive functions okay so there are links to like t-cells affecting normal behavior in animal models so an immune deficient mouse will behave differently than a normal immune competent Mm. animal and if you give that so an immune-compromised animal T-cells, and you repopulate that T-cell population, they actually will have behavior that returns to that of a wow. normal mouse, yeah. That's which true. is cool. That's true, yeah. yeah. I've worked with uh, immunocompromised mice, and mm-hmm. they're a lot more chill 
then yes. immunocompetent. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they attack and bite way less. Yes. Yeah. So um, actually, Tony, my PI, had some cool experiments with skid mice um, and social behavior mm-hmm. in regards to T cells. Wow. So. That's cool. Yes. Yeah. So in terms of the immune system in relation to the central nervous system, mm-hmm. uh, what about microglia? Right. <laughs> yeah, those are they're they're known as the resident yeah macrophages. resident macrophages yeah. yeah so Tony loves microglia there mm-hmm. there is homies um, <laughs> <laughs> I will not um, call myself an expert on sure, microglia sure. by any means yeah. uh, we actually wrote a review that talks about microglia that's mm-hmm. currently being revised. Nice. Um, but yeah, so we actually do a lot with microglia and damage to the CNS and how microglia react. And we have some projects that actually work on trying to you know, replace damaged microglia mm-hmm. if you can do that with um, peripheral cells. And if we, you know, we can get them into that niche, do they change into how a microglia cell would act? But the details of all that are, are kind of above my yeah. No worries. I mean, yeah, your project is, I guess, a, a little more focused on T cells. Yeah, currently yeah. very focused on T cells, peripheral immunity. We're planning on getting to the neuro end of it. Um, I just have to, to get there first. So Sure. Yeah. 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 So changing gears for a second. Sure. You recently attended a really interesting workshop. I did. In Washington, D.C. Yes. Can you talk about that? Yes. So I... Uh, was lucky enough, I applied for a spot. So Duke sponsored four students total, two from the graduate school and two from uh, medical school. So I was considered one of those since PATH is in School right. of Medicine yeah. um, to go to this AAAS workshop. So AAAS is the American Association for the Advancement of Science. So um, they also run the journal Science ironically, which is great. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Never heard of science. Uh, Yeah, so they had a workshop last week, and it was called um, Catalyzing Advocacy for Science and Engineering, or CASE, uh, workshop. So basically it was geared towards pulling people from STEM. There were people from all over. It was actually really awesome. Um, To bring them to D.C., and we spent, you know, two and a half days learning about, you know, how the federal government works, how the budget works. We practice working with the fiscal year 2020 budget, which was a fun exercise. Um, Learning how Congress works. What are all of these different committees that you can go to? um, And basically just getting a crash course on the federal government, which was actually a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the last day... um, Actually, um, the people here at Duke in the government relations office that kind of ran who went and helped us out in getting there, um, they had set up meetings for us on that Wednesday, so we actually got to go to Capitol Hill and frolic around in Capitol Hill. We met with um, five staffers of North Carolina um, representatives. We met with three representative staffers, and we actually got to meet with both uh, congressmen, staffers, oh, which nice. was really cool, senators. Wow. So it that was awesome. it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a fun practice. We went there to, you know, uh, as a group, we went and had, you know, pitches of, 
you know, we are from Duke, and we had a student from NC State, actually. Um, he was a PhD in statistics, so he was a smarty. Um, we went to, you know, these meetings, and we tell them where we were from, the kind of work that we do at our respective schools, and then kind of a question, feeling out where the, you know, their senator or their representative that they work for feels about um, science, mm-hmm. how important is it, and kind of lobby for, you know, we know the budget is coming up, um, please don't cut money for right. science. Right. Like we, we need that, you know. Right. So we would, you know, have our conversations that, you know, we're funded by the NIH, a lot of us, or the NSF, and so if you cut funding, you're affecting students that, you know, actually make a difference yeah. um, in the research that they do, so you, fun. So you didn't just go there to learn about advocacy, you... We actually advocated, advocated. Yeah, yeah. which wow. was awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it was super fun. Uh, so so this was a, a workshop, right? So, yes. So what are some of the... Did they go over any sort of, uh, like, technical skills that an advocate would somebody or somebody trying to get involved in science policy would need? Um... I wouldn't say <laughs> there weren't really workshops on how to advocate per mm-hmm. se. We had a lot of information about, you know, what's important to the people that are in government. So, you know, you can't go in and be like, I hate everything you stand for. Mm-hmm. You have to fund science because it's important to me because right. they're just going to be like, all right, thanks, mm-hmm. you know log that one away. So, I mean, there were discussions on how to approach um, people in the right way. um, Okay. But it was also a lot of... That's a skill. Yeah, it is a skill. Exactly. And there were lots of um, comments on how do you uh, communicate effectively with someone because, you know, there was a lot of conversation about how, you know, the U.S. government is not filled with scientists. It is a low number. It's growing, which is actually really cool. There are a couple, you know, PhDs that are uh, in Congress, which is awesome, but most of the time you're not going to be talking to someone who has as much technical expertise or quote-unquote expertise <laughs> as we do. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, we had – actually, we did have some fun exercises of how do you explain something quickly, um, you know, without taking three hours to explain your science. Mm-hmm. How do you get across the general point that makes them understand but also makes them realize that it's important? So, like, for example, we did a, a like, short, short exercise on – how with a partner, how would you explain to Paul Revere what an iPhone is? <laughs> so instead of telling him, instead of doing, you know, one lantern, two lanterns, if land by sea, whatever, yeah, yeah. tell him that he could tell so many more people so much faster with this iPhone. Like, tell him how to send a text message. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember the fact that he would have no idea what any of this is. Yeah. You know, like, you can't explain a text message. You're just like, and what's a phone? What's... Yeah satellites like all this stuff you it was so it was fun you know what i like about that exercise yeah they're equating uh government government <laughs> officials to paul revere to paul revere <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was funny. <laughs> it was funny so wow that yeah, sounds that sounds really cool so yeah so not only did you get a a tour of capitol hill you met yeah. some uh, congress people uh but also kind of a, a crash course on science communication yes and communicating technical challenging concepts yes. effectively yes. to people who don't have the background. Right. Yeah. Cool. And, and it was it was sorry, it was good no. um 
practice too because you know I kind of went into it super narrow-minded in my own way thinking everyone who's going to be at this workshop is going to be from like basic research science Mm -hmm. which was absolutely not the case there are people that do like ag agriculture research there are people that were in physics there are people in like uh clinical psych like literally any form and math everything Mm -hmm. and so there are actually you know it's a lot of interactions between all the attendees and we're all somewhat you know it's master students there were some undergraduates uh phd students even some medical students and we're all trying to communicate Mm -hmm. with each other yeah um and so even that in itself, you know, at lunch you're explaining your research to a whole table of people that you haven't met yet. Um, and the first time I did it, I was like, everybody knows what immunology is. I'm just going to start talking about T-cells. And people were like, wait, I am in math. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. so, th- so they really covered the whole spectrum of STEM. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Science, techn- technology, engineering, and math. And math. Like, yes. People were from cool. everywhere. It was awesome. Yeah. So, so going into this, mm-hmm. was there something that you were so before you got there? Yes. Was there something that you were hoping to learn or hoping to get out of it? And after the workshop, did did sure. you feel like you got that? Yeah. Yes, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I would say going in, I applied for it <laughs> because I'm in the fun place of trying to figure out what I want to do with myself mm-hmm. after getting my degree. Yeah. <laughs> um, T-cells, man. Yeah, exactly. T-cells forever. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a vague idea of what I don't want to do, but I don't have a solid plan of what I do want to do. Um, and I took a quick week-long summer class at Duke last summer when they started doing this doctoral summer academy, which is awesome. Um, and I took a science policy class. So it was a week-long, three hours a day like, get your feet wet, what is science policy? Mm-hmm. And I left that class every day, like, super psyched about what we were talking about. Um, and so when I saw that there was this workshop that was actually going to be more involved, like, you get to go to D.C., you get to really learn from people that work in this all day, every day, um, I thought it was going to be a super great opportunity to, like, take my knowledge maybe a little bit further than, I, you know, I've heard about science policy and thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess I, you know, I went in wanting more experience to see if is this something that I'm actually really interested in, yeah. and can I learn more about how it works and how to be effective in it if you mm-hmm. want to, you know, pursue a career yeah. in policy. Yeah. And I would say that a hundred percent, it uh, helped. Yeah, the workshop was great. Okay. Yes, it was a great experience. I am super happy that I went mm-hmm. um yeah so although you only were there for a few days mm-hmm. and so this is this is just the beginning of your science policy career, yes <laughs> but yeah i'm just curious uh, do you see any kind of uh do you see any pitfalls as to the way uh science advocates currently work in relation yeah. in relation to because so so con- Congress men and Congress women they mm-hmm. they have a whole they have their plate full of so many right. different things and right. like science policy is just one of those one tiny right? thing one right. tiny thing right so just in terms of 
getting their attention, yeah. being able to communicate effectively, some, some of which you, you went over in this workshop. Right. Is there anything that kind of sticks out to you? Like, oh, this is maybe something that science advocates could maybe do could better. Maybe do. Something that you would maybe... Yes. Yes, so there were... were to do it. There were some conversations of um, approach, which we, we kind of talked about before, mm-hmm. of ignoring what the, you know, whomever, the politician what their priorities are because you can find that out really easily on their website, right? Yeah. Or Twitter, like anything. Right. And going in there. Twitter's a great way now. Twitter, everybody's on Twitter. Everyone has Twitter. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, found out a lot about who we met with on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It was a great way to kind of gear your your thought process going in. Yeah. Um, so part of it would be know who you're going to talk to and be aware of what's important to them and try to form some connection that way and then also try to slip in like science is important to me right. um and it's important because x mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think what else there's something else i went through my head a while ago i don't remember getting excited about twitter derailed yeah getting, exactly <laughs> getting yeah. excited about twitter yeah. um yeah oh so i was gonna say what i also didn't realize which is just kind of an example of it's kind of embarrassing about how little I knew <laughs> but um every you know congressman representative whatever they sit on committees right so right. they have and I didn't really pay attention to this so that, you know we met with someone whose committee on means and ways and ethics and appropriations so appropriations is maybe appropriate but you know or there are people that sit on science committees and and knowing they're going to pay more attention to the committees that they're on and they can probably do more in the committees that they sit on or that they chair. Right. So you have right. to figure out who maybe is important to talk to yeah. um, and who is actually going to be willing to listen and say, okay, well, this is something that I am responsible for and this mm-hmm. is something that I you know, pay attention to every day. So, yes, I will sit and talk and listen to scientists because that's important also for me. That's a great point. You know point. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because there might be people outside of Congress that are trying to lobby or advocate right. for, for science to the, the congressmen and women. Right. But as you're saying, even within Congress, not everybody has science policy or science right. funding at the forefront of their right. agenda. They have a right. million things that right. they need to so, think about. <laughs> so these, these, these several people that sit on these science committees right. can actually then lobby the other Congress Correct. people Correct. to get on board with funding right. or, or whatever. Right. So that yeah, that's a great yeah. point, actually. I didn't think of that. Yes, yeah. and the other uh, point that was mentioned at the workshop is are you a constituent or not? That's mm-hmm. also huge. Yeah. So if you're going to talk to a representative and you yeah. don't live in their state right. or in their district, they, then this is cynical. Like, it's going to come out cynical. They don't care mm-hmm. that much because you're not voting to keep them in office. Right. I, I don't mean that, you know, absolutely, you know, that is fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they do care. <laughs> you know, they, they have constituents, I'm sure, in their district that care about the same thing as you. So I don't think that it would fall on deaf ears, but there's also that priority of, you know, they want to get reelected, right? Sure. Um, and if you're not responsible for reelecting them, yeah. that's also part of it, yeah. which I also had never really thought about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, wow. but see, yes. It seems like this workshop was really informative it was cool. in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. yeah. So how did you hear about the opportunity at Duke? 
It went out in an email, actually. There was an uh, email. I'm pretty sure it was from uh, the OGBE, OBGE, the Office, the Office of, of Biomedical, Biomedical Gra- yeah, OBGE. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they sent out an email about the opportunity um, and that said that Duke does sponsor students to go, and if you are interested, apply. Um and so I actually went to Tony first because I, you know, saw the dates. It was a Sunday to a Wednesday, so you're going to be out of town. Right. So I went actually and talked to Tony, and I said, you know, are you, are you cool if I apply for this? Because it's due in, like, two days. <laughs> 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 um, but I'm interested in it, and he is awesome, and he was like, yeah, go for it, you know, yeah. do you, go for it. Yeah. Um, so I applied for it, and then just got an email that I was going to go, which great. was great. Wow. So. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, would you yeah. recommend going to this case workshop? I would. I would. Even even if, you know, people aren't interested in science policy mm-hmm. or, or, or not. So there's also, you can be a scientist in a lab that can affect policy. That doesn't mean you have to go work in D.C. and be a politician. That means you can do your science wherever you want to do it, but just be aware of the fact that, you know, policy does affect every everybody that does mm-hmm. science, right? Like, sure, we're all yeah. getting grant money, mm-hmm. or most people are getting grant money from, you know, NIH, NSF, DOD, right. like, anybody yeah. is getting federal all grants. Yeah, yeah, it's all governmental. Agencies, so, right. you know, you can't live in this bubble of only science um even if you want to i guess so yeah so i just i think it was a great experience just to like learn how all of that stuff happens who is important in in mediating all of that and Mm -hmm. i think there aren't enough scientists that want to get involved with that or know that they can get involved in it either you know so there's always this Maybe there's a disconnect, you know, if yeah. you only have people with no science background determining how science is being run, I think that's an issue. Yeah, yeah I agree. And in terms of scientists not knowing whether yeah. they can be involved in this or not, they'll know now. After, they'll know after now. After listening yeah. to this. The whole world know. will know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was well, there anything else you'd like to add about your experience, either as a graduate student so far or with this advocacy workshop? Um, last words. Yeah, I don't know. Just that I'm I'm grateful because I wouldn't have been able to do it without you know the AAAS running it. Right. I wouldn't have been able to go without Duke, you know, sponsoring four students, which is amazing, and they took great care of us. And I wouldn't have been able to do it if both you know Pathology and Tony, my PI you know, weren't fully supportive of, yeah, you, you know, you can leave lab for a couple days and go do something that you're interested in, um, which I, I don't, I don't take that for granted. I think not everybody has that opportunity and that kind of support from, from, you know, their uppers sometimes. So I'm, I'm happy that I had, you know, good experiences from everybody. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much for sharing your experience. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. of current scientist the human episode. Stay breezy.